0: Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Return of the Roar podcast. I am Chris Watkins, sitting across from me, Frankie Cardicelli. As promised, a guest, as always, during this uh, these summer episodes. Matt George this week. Matt, how you doing?
1: What podcast am I on? Wait a minute, this isn't Locked On Kings? I'm confused. It, yes. it, all these oh. days and podcasts are starting to blend together. So, oh, Return of the Roar, got it. Hey, guys, what's up? How's it going? Yeah, Matt, uh, I'm doing well. How was your 4th of July? It was good it was loud but that's to be expected i did not expect though the amount of pregame fireworks on july 3rd and i especially didn't expect the late to the party fireworks that people set off last night july 5th i was just very confused by that but you know hey to each their own i guess usually
2: it goes on through like what july 15th we're hearing those kind of after effect fireworks but uh... i've been hearing them for like the past three i
0: live like 15 minutes away from here and it's been going on for about the past two weeks well, see we
1: so. in my neighborhood we have fireworks that are set off at random times throughout the year and yes i can those tell. those are the called difference. gunshots no, no i can tell the difference between gunshots and fireworks well, and we know we what get, kind of neighborhood matt lives we in. get both of those but so i'm not necessarily surprised by just random fireworks happening but it was the abundance of fireworks on july 5th that caught me off guard let's put it that way <laughs>
0: Frankie had a lot of fireworks this weekend. I know uh, it was Frankie's birthday this weekend. So hey. happy birthday, Frank! Two seven, getting, yeah. getting up there, oh, boy. Yeah. Yikes! You're starting to enter like the part where it's, people are like, "Frankie, we're expecting a lot out of you. You're entering your prime here. Well, you know, it's you're gonna-
2: like the late twenties. Like Matt, you just recently turned twenty seven. Yep. Two, I think. Yeah, it's like okay, we're out of the mid twenties now. It's the late twenties. What are we doing? Matt, mm.
1: this guy Mary with a kid on the way. Good I, for you, man. I, I'm a month away from being clock. a father and I'm terrified. One, so. one month away. Please, God, let's talk about basketball because I'm scared out of my mind. Jeez. I'm rea- I'm raising a son. There's gonna be a little me running around. That's terrifying. Oh, that is terrifying. That is terrifying. Goodness gracious.
2: Speaking of terrifying, uh the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings. We are in like the uh, we're we're in the, the thick of the offseason here. The finals begin yeah. tonight. Uh, Matt, we asked Jason last week just kind of how you're feeling about the offseason. Do you miss King's basketball? Are you kind of itching to watch, you know, DeAaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton get back on the floor? Or are you kinda are you kind of enjoying the break? You know, I, I think I talked
1: about this with you guys before. This season that wrapped up and, and I think it was a combination of a lot of things. So the ups and downs of the year, the losing streaks, the winning streaks, the expectations, the seventy-two games shoved into what felt like seventy-three days. Like I am. I was more exhausted by this season than any King season I can remember. So I am enjoying the break. And I am enjoying the fact that uh, there still is NBA basketball going on. The NBA Finals are starting, and we're in early July. I mean, that's pretty rad. Uh, so I, I think I'm doing okay right now. But once we get past the draft and once we get into, like, summer league time and then especially when training camp starts getting closer and closer, that's when that buzz is going to start to hit a little bit, especially with uh, – well, let's put it this way with what i expect from this offseason or i'm hoping from this offseason i'm looking forward to this offseason i'm looking forward to the next few months and the rumors and free agency and trade rumors trade deadline or uh, the the trades before the draft or during the draft like i think the kings are going to have a very very busy summer
0: yeah i definitely agree with you and uh, it's funny cuz yeah we we talked all season about how exhausting this year was and now i'm at the point where yeah the finals are starting tonight it's the only thing on but i caught myself especially yesterday i noticed i need these games on cuz like baseball just is i'm sorry baseball's not cutting it for me mm. guys like i need i need some action to look forward to
2: at the end of the game. so Baseball's uh, not cutting it for me either right now. So. Yeah, I'm so- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, Yankee fans. I'll say
1: the the thing that I – and it's watching Phoenix Suns games, especially in that crowd, the thing that I'm itching for the most is just a full Golden 1 Center again. That's that's just really yeah. what I'm most anticipating. Of course, the Kings season, having Kings basketball back would be great, but seeing how awesome that Phoenix Suns crowd has been and knowing that the Kings would either match that or step it up a notch here in Sacramento if the when the Kings get back um, – that's that's what I am waiting for more than anything else, just to have opening night and hopefully a full capacity G one C. Yeah,
2: I mean they're coming out in Forest and Phoenix. It's cool to see. And it's it's a complete turnaround because a season and a half ago, uh, it's it's not like they were filling out their stadium back when they were a thirty seven thirty six one nope. team. They, they just weren't. Uh, of course, they're the diehard fans, like how there are diehard Kings fans and Golden One Center. Even uh, the season before this last season, it wasn't. You could tell it wasn't all the way filled to capacity as. Often as it was, I think the eighteen nineteen season it was sold out like legitimately probably for I'd say seventy five percent of the games because they were a fun team to watch. Um, this year, if there was <laughs> if there were fans allowed, I I have to say I don't know if it would be sixty no, percent full. Been,
0: it would have been scary too. It uh, would have been a
2: loud environment for
0: all the wrong reasons.
2: It was fittingly empty when we were there, but hopefully this offseason can inject some life back into the fan base. Some excitement can come back into the building. Uh, hundred percent capacity is expected this fall. That just is huge for the Kings and the Suns too. It plays such a huge role uh, in the playoffs for the Suns. It could play a huge role for the Kings, but of course, the winning product has to
1: be there. Kings can't definitely can't be making the mistakes that they made last year. Uh, with fans in attendance this season, I mean, there's just there there were, there would have been at least ten times last season or the season that just wrapped up where the Kings would have been booed off the floor in the Golden yes. 1 Center.
2: 100 well, It happened once. It happened against Utah when they that 50 point or 49 point loss. That, I think that was one of the first games with fans too and uh, I, I think people have been waiting for it but yeah, if we have one of those or multiple like we saw this year next year uh, it's going to be ugly.
1: But at I the know. same time too especially early on in the season, Chris Tyrese Halliburton was robbed of some pretty awesome yeah. pops with some of the shots he hit mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter. So there's a give and take.
0: Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, definitely with, without the fans, the season was completely different. And I, I, I'm just really excited for the season to get to get going, like you said. And I, I'm expecting a lot of moves this off, off season, a lot of big moves to happen. And that all is going to start with the draft coming up in a couple weeks. And uh, the Kings have the number nine pick currently. Uh, not I don't think they're going to move up, but they might move out. Matt, how are you feeling about what the Kings are going to do at number nine?
1: I'm pretty confident in saying I think it's a 60 40% chance that the Kings, 60% they move on from this pick. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's no surprise that James Hamm reported that the, the Kings are aggressively shopping. Now, he didn't, and we, he clarified this a little bit on the Locked on Kings podcast when I had him on last week. Check it out. He wasn't necessarily saying that. Uh, like the, the their goal is to absolutely move the pick, but his his point was they're leaving all their options open and trading the number nine pick is a massive option, especially when you look at the potential of pairing that pick with Buddy Heald's contract to make that contract a little bit easier to move, or pairing it with Marvin Bagley just to move on from that experiment, but try and get something halfway decent in return for Bagley, whose value is is little to nothing right now, so. I would not be surprised at all if this number 9 pick is on the move, but at the same time, too, I've talked to three or four different draft experts, and I use air quotes there because we all just try and figure out the draft as best as we can every year, and they've said that for what the Sacramento Kings are looking for, which is that kind of wing presence, especially a defender, at that 9 range, there are some good options available, and they would recommend the Kings just holding on to the pick, so Sacramento has options, which is always a good thing.
2: So if you had to make a selection, they say they don't move the pick, do you have an ideal candidate that you'd like the Kings to look at more than others, or you kind of just think that there's no way they even use this pick and they're just going to move it out of the draft?
1: No, I'm stuck between two names, Franz Wagner and Moses Moody. Bang, Matt. I literally sent this fool, I sent Frankie
0: some names about an hour ago, and it was both of those two. Yeah, Franz Wagner
1: and Moses Moody, I think, both present exactly what the Kings need and in, in some capacity. Uh, it's spoken a lot with different guys, including James Hamm, about both those two. James is, is more pro Moses Moody than he is Wagner because he he called Wagner a jack of all trades, master of none, which is a big deal in the NBA. I like that. Um and but Wagner is one of those players that can like plug and play, and I think immediately help the Kings, which is what they should be looking for. If if you can get a diamond in the rough at nine that turns into a star and get lucky like you got with Halliburton last year, fantastic. But I don't think the Kings are looking at this draft to find a core building block. I think they're looking at a player who will come in and provide an immediate impact to help this team make the playoffs if they decide to keep the pick. Yeah. So I think Wagner can plug in Frankie in that spot. Or Moses Moody, who's more of a shooter than Wagner is, um more athletic than Wagner is, but both are considered strong on the defensive end. So those are the two names that I've been looking at.
2: Well, the Kings' length, that's kind of one of the, their, their key needs, I think. It, with Harrison Barnes, he has two years on his contract. He could be moved this off season. Rashawn Holmes is going to be a free agent. Marvin Bagley wants out. Uh, that just leaves kind of the guards as one of the key points that the Kings have right now, which is De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy Heald is probably going to be moved in the next season. I think that's not really a secret. They'd like to. I'm They'd guessing. like to. Uh drafting a guy like Moses Moody could be great for that. Chris and I were pointing out, too, how he has a 7-foot wingspan, I believe. Something like
0: Yeah, I know it's 7, seven plus, two, seven, seven
2: two, and he's six. He's six, six. So if, if they were to move on from Buddy Heald, that gives you a three-headed monster of Fox, Halliburton, and Moody, all under the age of 23, 23 or younger. That's pretty exciting. But Wagner is intriguing because until Robert Woodard shows he's going to be that next small forward up in line to take over for Harrison Barnes... The Kings are going to need some help at the small four-power forward, forward spot, and that's kind of where Wagner could come in. But um, I'm kind of leaning on Moody. If the Kings were to keep the pick, I love the idea of having Moody on the roster. He's a long guard. That wingspan is intriguing to me. I really do like that. Uh, but, again, like you said, Matt, Buddy Heald, the trade is more of a – it's more of – they want to move him. Are they going to? I don't know. He makes $23 million. Uh I don't know how many teams would jump on that on that opportunity to bring in a guy making $23 million. Uh yeah. It's just it's tough, but I, I really would like to have Moody on the roster. Yeah,
1: a couple things there. Another one, a dark horse that I talked with James Ham a lot about. Actually, he, James's most recent uh, mock draft that came out today, Tuesday, uh, he has Josh Giddy going to the Kings at nine. And Giddy played primarily point guard in, in his uh, his time overseas, but is built like an NBA three and would probably play an NBA three. And the more secondary ball handles you can have, seemingly in the modern NBA, is a good thing. So Giddy could potentially be right up there in the the Kings' interest and in that nine range, so that might be interesting as well. Um, But to your point about Buddy Heald, too, I think what's most eye-opening, and and this was proven towards the end of last season, is Buddy Heald is absolutely an elite shooter, but Buddy Heald, I think his production can be fairly easily easily replaced. I Mm -hmm. mean, you look at Terrence Davis coming in and not making the Buddy Heald impact. I'm not going to go that far. But Terrence Davis was able to fill a void of of shooting when Buddy was off the floor pretty quickly. And Terrence also, in my opinion, was not half bad putting the ball on the floor and attacking the basket as well, which Buddy has shown in in limited capacity. So uh, you add maybe Moses Moody to that mix where he can come in and kind of replace that Buddy-heeled shooting while not being a liability on defense. Uh, I would not be surprised if the Kings are looking at options in this draft as a Buddy-heeled replacement in the hopes that they're moving on from him either this summer, which I hope they do, or at the trade deadline.
0: I want to state my case for Franz Wagner because I feel like he gets a bad rap. Uh, It could be a lot because I know his brother was pretty highly recruited and was was when he got – I think Mo went – uh,
2: I know he went in the lottery. I think he was in the lottery in the 12-13 in yeah. the, the range. Yeah, and I was it was pretty
0: disappointing. Up. He kind of had a pretty similar career. Not career, but uh, was you know just as big of a star as Franz was at, Michigan, at, at in his time at Michigan. Um, and it just kind of hasn't really panned out for him in the league. So I I feel like that probably has a little bit to do with people souring on him. But if you watch his tape, I think you said James Hamm put it as uh, he's jack of all, master of none. That's that's perfect because you watch his game, and he really can do a little bit of everything. He's not a great shooter. He's, or I shouldn't say – he's not an elite shooter yet. I wouldn't even say he's – he's maybe slightly above average shooter, and if he can become a good, great shooter, um, I think that's something that could take his game to another level. But you watch his ability to pass the ball. His basketball IQ is just – disgustingly apparent if you watch his offense and defensive highlights he's always reaching in the passing lanes always reaching in dribbling lanes and getting quick steals uh just a really really smart basketball player and the exactly type of guy that you can draft come in day one he might not be a star by any stretch of the imagination but can definitely do a little bit of everything and is kind of a ball mover and Someone with the king, for for some for a team like the Kings that 's somebody that they could really use because offense is not an issue for them. They really need somebody who 's going to focus on the defensive end, make all the small plays, make the dirty plays and uh, I, I think Wagner would be a great fit
1: yeah, I think Wagner does a ton of what the Sacramento Kings need, which is why i'm i 'm so interested in him I, in fact, out of the two him and moody i 've leaned more towards Wagner yeah. than Moody for that reason. Um, I understand that both have pretty high floors, which is great. Moody might have a slightly higher ceiling, but Wagner may be more day one ready, which is intriguing from a Kings perspective as well. Uh, I know Wagner is not the most athletic, which immediately scares people Mm -hmm. because athleticism, of course, is extremely important in the modern NBA. But how many times have we seen the Kings draft an athletic player who doesn't pan out because either the basketball IQ is not there or the Kings' development just isn't good enough to Mm -hmm. add the basketball IQ to that game? Hello, T-Rob. Yeah, I mean, Ben McElmore, you could put in that that list as
0: well. That's why I'm really terrified for the Kings. I shouldn't say terrified, but I would be... Incredibly nervous if the Kings are looking at taking somebody like Keon Johnson, no, who's I'd out of Tennessee, away. who's incredibly ridiculously athletic, but besides that, is incredibly raw and very raw. Just, That's the word I was thinking. Yeah, of. very raw. The yeah. Kings just and I feel the same exact way about. I know uh, when when uh, the lottery had just happened, Jalen Johnson was a name that that was really high for the or that was on a lot of mock drafts yeah. for the Kings. That's nope. again an, another pick where it's just yeah. like let somebody else figure that out. I'm not saying. You know, if he ends up being a star, that's fine. I just don't think it would have happened here. Yeah, and both you those, just have to live with those. Things. Both
1: of those guys, you just listed, I would avoid like the absolute yeah. plague from yeah. a Kings standpoint because of the development, because of the, the timeline that it's going to take. The Kings aren't in a developmental mode, they're in a we have to win right now mode, and we have to find players to pair with Tyrese and Fox mm-hmm. to get this team to the playoffs right now. Those guys would make absolutely no sense. I think if Monty McNair and the Kings made that selection. It would certainly, I would be scratching my head. And once again, it would follow this pattern of the kings not being able to commit to any kind of timeline yeah. or plan which I think is one of the most frustrating parts about this team. And even going back to last season, it looked like the Kings were on this timeline of, we don't care, we're not really going to go for it, this is a gap year. And even though I asked Monty McNair about that in his post-season press conference, he said, I don't know where that gap year term came from. (laughs) It's like, we all know you would have preferred to have had a top five pick in this draft and not been very good compared to making all these moves at the deadline to ultimately fall short again. So I think it's pretty safe to say, and whether that... Pressure came from McNair or whether that pressure came from King's ownership who knows but I think it, it's clear that the, the plan changed last year mid-season and I think a drafting of one of those two guys like you listed going young and going for a developmental project instead of trying to find a piece that plugs and plays would be another example of just changing the timeline again
2: mm-hmm. yeah and the timeline is kind of I think in that press conference too they I think both Luke and Monty said, if I remember correctly, that the goal of next year is playoffs. Yeah. Next year, which they they kind of stayed away from that term before last mm-hmm. season. I, I noticed uh, coming into last season, they didn't really say. I think it, Luke was asked if they don't make the playoffs, is that considered a, a failure? And he's like, no, we're like we're building. We're just going to try to change the culture and build. Versus this year. Playoffs is definitely on. It's on the docket. So and Luke uh, knows
1: his his job is gone. If exactly. The Kings aren't, like it's a lot easier to move on to a, from a coach who has one year left on his deal than it is to move on from a coach who has two years. Like to the difference between two years and one year. and You both know this is huge, yes. huge in the NBA. So Walton knows he's gone. He's kind of playing with house money at this point. In my mind, it's one hundred percent. It's Monty McNair. It's mm-hmm. the pressure that's on McNair and how much organ is, and I know there's pressure on ownership because the last thing Vivek and this ownership group wants is for this team to break that record of 16 straight playoffless seasons.
2: Yeah, most would be under Vivek's tenure as as owner. It too. already is, yeah. <laughs> and also with Luke, he he, I think he's fighting for his coaching life and career here. Oh, he, 100%. If he has well, another down well, year, NBA. well, yeah, I you know, mean NBA. No, M- yeah, I, I think that Arizona job. Oh yeah, guys, he, he could try out college, but his NBA career is on the it's on the line in my opinion because. Sure, he had that great run with the Warriors when Steve Kerr was out, but how many people really look at that and say, Luke Walton did a great job coaching this team while Steve Kerr was out? I just I don't see it that way. And you look at what he did with L.A., uh, look at what he's doing with the Kings. If he comes out this season and lays on egg and he gets fired halfway through the season, what does that say for his his prospect of taking another head coaching
1: job somewhere else? But this is an unpopular opinion, and I know it. I also don't think Luke Walton's been that bad here. Like, L.A., okay. I don't think Walton's been that bad. Maybe he's not the right coach and maybe he's not the right guy to get this team and and get them to their full capability, but I think Luke has weathered two ridiculously unprecedented seasons. He's dealt with significant injury issues in both seasons, and both times he's put together and put the Kings in a position to go on these runs to at least be in the conversation. Uh, I mean, the Kings were one of the hottest teams in basketball before the shutdown two years ago. I'm not going to argue in hypotheticals because it is what it is. We don't know if the Kings would have kept that going and made the playoffs or not, but they were looking good. And then this year, a team that without De'Aaron Fox and no Marvin Bagley that had no business of being in the conversation Mm -hmm. suddenly was winning games and putting up a fight towards the end of the year. So I think Walton has done a lot better job than he gets credit for. That being said, I mean – Good isn't good enough in the NBA, especially when you're on a franchise like the Kings with their history.
0: Yeah, I just feel like Luke is kind of heading towards like an assistant for life kind of role here, I think where so. you know it's like you see Sam Cassell on the bench, uh, Chauncey Billups just got a head coaching job, but you know there's it's kind of a thing for NBA guys. You know, nothing you just wrong with that. Of, yeah. No, absolutely nothing at all. And I I think to your point, Matt, I don't think Luke is an all-time horrible coach. Like you know, the Kings have had some horrible records, and he has not. Touched any of those, you know, twenty win seasons or anything like that. And granted, he's had some talent on his roster, but uh, I, th- I don't know. I just think is Luke the answer? Probably not. But for Monty to hitch his wagon to him this season, I think you're right, Matt. Like I think this this season more more puts pressure on on Monty and for him to make the playoffs than than Luke. And I do think Luke, like you said, is playing with house money.
1: I want to throw something out to two of you if I can. Um, I'm talking about this a lot more on my pod uh sometime this week, probably today, we'll see. But I think there's a lot of pressure on Monty McNair, even if it's undeserved because of what he's inherited as becoming the general manager of a organization that has had all the struggles of the Sacramento Kings. I think I think the Kings need a swing for the fences move. Even if it's a colossal failure, from my perspective There should be no fear in Sacramento that something is a failure. I mean, this organization has already been such a major failure, and I'm not worried about pissing off De'Aaron Fox for him to walk because more than likely, if you continue on the path you're on, he's going to walk anyway because he realizes he's wasting his career here. Like, I would love for Monty McNair and the Kings. Now, the right move has to be out there, and the team that you're trying to move with has to agree to it. So I'm not just saying it's NBA 2K where, oh, Bradley Beal, trade is accepted type thing. But... I would love for Monty McNair and the Kings to try something and just say, hey, here's a future, a couple future firsts plus this year's first and Buddy Heal, let's go out and try and get that player that can come in and help this team win right now. And I think Monty, from what James Hamm was talking about, I think Monty's, one, not afraid of that, and two, actively looking for that. So I would love a swing for the fences move, but I'm not worried about mortgaging the future. I don't know how you guys feel about that.
0: I mean, to an extent, uh, I don't know about – the the problem is – when I feel like King's future first round picks are that is, if you can get one of those, that's that's the holy grail for because, other teams, not for us. No, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Because yeah. that's that's what you want. And so I mean, I'm sure it has more value than you know, say you run of the mill, maybe not OKC, but run of the mill NBA team. I just I feel like that's that it. You can measure it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know about going all all in because. We've seen how many times it fails, and if it does fail again, we haven't really leveraged future before, and so, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe we see what happened with the Brooklyn Nets. It didn't really seem to bother them too much to not have their draft picks. They kind of figure it out. You just kind of, you know, once you make the trade and you no longer have the picks, you kind of just readjust as an organization, and you're like, okay we're now in this reality where we have to move knowing we don't have these picks Mm -hmm. so that kind of changes to what you were saying earlier that really does really put a timeline on your winning because it's like well we know that we don't have a first round pick in 2024 so if we are the sacramento how the sacramento kings normally are in 2023 we can't like we have to be good by then and Maybe that's what they need. It's not something they've done before, but it sure as hell is, is, is risky.
1: And and to Chris's point, Frankie, I I think he's onto something and his argument makes sense because in a very small capacity we kinda dealt with this early in Vlades tenure yeah. where he traded away that future mm-hmm. first to Philadelphia yep. that then became Boston's uh in a in a trade later. Yeah. Uh, and that was hard for some was people to watch. Yeah, it was like yeah. a, it ended up being number ten or something like that in the twenty I think it was Romeo Langford. Whatever whatever yeah. it was, it was hard for Kings fans to sit there knowing the Kings were still bad but not having a draft pick. So mm. it would suck to make an all-in move and to more, let's say they, they trade two future firsts in 2025 and 2027. Let's say they're lottery protected or whatever, or maybe even not. And those you're, the Kings maybe at best sneak into the playoffs but it doesn't go anywhere and then you're watching those drafts from the sidelines. That absolutely would suck. But at the same time too <laughs> – You've been so bad for so long that if you're going to just try something at this point rather than hoping and treading water, I'd, I'd be down for it personally. Well, it, it's like a
2: – it's a double-down move. Uh, hey, There now. you go. Whoa. There you go. Hey. Hey, double now. Double-down. Check it out on YouTube. No, don't. Matt George. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, – look, like you said, Matt, De'Aaron Fox, he's under contract I believe through 2026, I think. Uh, that clock starts now. Like it's, He's not on his rookie-scale contract anymore. The extensions kicks in. As soon as training camp begins this uh, later of the summer, or f- technically fall, um, if you give up those future firsts at 2024, 2025, uh, I mean, hey, it's like we're going to lose Fox and the picks maybe, but that's the Kings are not going to be bad enough over the next three years, in my opinion, or four years, for a top four or five pick, as long as De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are healthy. That's just the way I see it, because they're always the two good to be... You just can't, but...
0: I, even if they are healthy, they're not – at the moment, I mean, obviously they're going to get – well, I shouldn't say obviously, but hopefully they get better. But, I mean, that's also
1: if they're healthy. Let's say they move –
0: That is that is still a percentage of and, if.
1: And assuming they want to still be here, which is a, another big thing. Like, does Fox say after two more years of this crap, this sucks, get me out of here? What
2: type of deal would it take, though? Would it take, like – let's say they give the ninth pick Bagley and a twenty twenty four first first for Zach Levine. Like would that do it? Like, what? what, It's like an all-star player we're looking for. I
1: I think you're looking for a player that to add to this core right now that next season makes them a playoff team, and the season after makes them a contender. Like, and and I don't know if that's out there. Like that to me, that's that's I think everybody's looking
0: for that. To me, that's
1: a swing for the fences move. Break the plan of the playoffs first. Do enough to. I mean, the Phoenix Suns are kind of a good example. Like the Phoenix Suns turned things around. They got a young core that was exciting. It's not as easy as, oh, all you have to do is go out and get Chris yep. Paul, and then you'll be in the NBA Finals type yeah. thing. But they can you can turn it around quickly if you have a young core that shows enough, you have a team that buys in, and then you add a player who wants to be a part of that yes. to the mix. And suddenly, it, like that to me is the only route the Kings have. It's a lot of hypothetical, yeah. like major hypothetical. But that's where I'm looking. If I'm Monty McNair trying to pick a hypothetical path to the playoffs, that makes more sense than hoping to get lucky in the draft another two times. Yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah, we, we we got lucky. Yeah. I think we can say, I mean, knock on wood, Tyrese Halliburton continues on this amazing start to his career. But this is probably the luckiest we've gotten in the draft since. You can't really call De'Aaron Fox lucky because uh, he was a top five pick. So who was the last pick that the well, Kings they moved, had? They got lucky
1: that, moving up to five to get him. Yeah,
2: but who was the last pick the Kings took that was kind of like, a, oh, he's pretty good. Was it Kevin Martin? Like, I, I don't even know when the last time the Kings had a player... Out of a top ten where, where you're like, oh, wow. like he's... Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> okay, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't happen very often is my point. Before mm-hmm. then, probably it was Kevin Martin. I think Hedo was late in the draft yeah. and he was a good player. Um,
1: but you also added those players to playoff.
2: To playoff teams. With halfway
1: decent culture versus whatever the hell this is. Rick
2: Adelman was around and Chris Webber. Yeah, all those guys were there still. So, um, yeah, I get what you mean, Matt. It, it's... I get both points. It's a gamble. Look, and, and somebody out there might not be willing to give up future first because yeah, like Chris, I think Chris's point is at least if they're bad, they still have the picks. But it's it's more just you have to make sure it's for the right guy. Mm-hmm. Like, don't trade
0: all of it for. I mean, it's not going to be Chris Paul, but you know, it's a. Th- Kyle, I don't know, like you, a thirty-four year old guy who's on the back end of his don't, you know, and you don't, don't do know. it for
1: a rental. You don't yeah. do it for someone who's on for, the, the uh, final yeah. year of his contract in the mm-hmm. hopes that you convince him to stay. I mean, Kawhi Leonard didn't stay with the freaking NBA mm-hmm. champions. So you don't you don't do that. But if you can get a guy and I don't I don't know the name that's out there, I'd have to look and yeah. I'm sure this is what Monty McNair and the Kings are doing, but if you can get a guy that's under contract for another two, three years. Who is that, and I'm not talking like, it doesn't have to be a Bradley Beal type player. It doesn't have to be an all-star or even superstar, but just that fringe talent or fringe all-star talent that can come to Sacramento and make that immediate difference that this team is looking for. If that's out there and you can make a swing for the fences move to acquire him, do it. Or try it.
2: <laughs> well, Levine came to mind just because of the Kings, I remember. Yeah, Vlad, um, that was Vlad. That was Vlad, and you know, that would have been a good move by him. Oh, I mean, God. I wish that, it had Yeah, he,
0: yeah. It's a lot, yeah. I mean, he's he's really, an all-star
2: now, and he... He is a free know. agent come next offseason, and he's going to only be 27. But that's just the thought I have. But
1: you got to trade for those guys. You don't, you're don't. you not going to get them in free agency no. unless De'Aaron and Tyrese have such a good year this year that someone wants to say, I want to be a part of that, which is a big if for Sacramento. But it could happen. I mean, Fox and it's going to take the Kings actually starting freaking Tyrese Halliburton, please, even if Buddy Heald is still on this damn team. They have bring to, him right? Off the bench. They have to. But if Fox and Halliburton turn into the backcourt that I think they can, and I've said this on Twitter, and I, I believe, I think we're going to be talking about Fox and Halliburton that backcourt the same way we talk about Damon CJ. Like maybe not super like NBA Finals caliber backcourt because we know Portland's thinking about making some trades and blowing things up. But for years we talked about Damon CJ as one of the best backcourts on, other than like Clay and Steph in the NBA, and it was like a solid three, four straight years of that. I think Fox and Halliburton have that potential.
2: Didn't you say that, Chris? Didn't you say that? No, you just did. You, no, I did not say that. You said
1: the opposite?
0: I would. I said I would trade Damon CJ for Tyrese. Would, I'll
2: ask you this question. Should we,
0: I think I asked him like two weeks ago Would you trade Tyrese and Fox for Damon CJ?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't remember if I said I would or I wouldn't. You said you wouldn't. I said I probably because of the age thing. That's all. The, in the They're my, both 30. Well, my thing is. My, oh, my, yeah, I remember, I remember, we my, don't need to read no, I remember. But, yeah. My question, though, was. Are the financial implications the same still? Like Even if our, it is. Is right. our roster and the money? Because I think we couldn't – I don't think we – like st- two, our roster two,
1: structurally can take two it. Two proven winners to yeah. some extent versus two unproven yeah. – I mean, I love That's Darren I Fox. And I think Fox is going to be an all-star next season uh, unless he gets hurt, knock on wood. Uh, and I think Tyrese Halliburton is going to have an amazing NBA career. But, I mean, the writing's on the – especially – for me, it's Dame. I'm not the biggest fan of CJ. I think CJ's limits have been kind of – Hit here, but I still think he's a damn good player. But I mean, da- I hope that Damian Lillard, Tyrese, yeah.
0: can reach CJ's level. I really do. I, I'm not as I, I'm not saying I don't think Tyrese Halliburton is a great player, and I don't. I think he's amazing to watch. But um, I, I don't know. I've just I've recently had questions about where his his game gets better, and and if I can realistically see. I don't know. I, I, I think I think that's. I think Tyrese can. I be think a it's easier said than done. I, th- I think. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I think he can be a better all-around player, but that's as a team player. Not. I don't think he'll ever be the shooter that CJ is, yeah. or even. Uh, but in terms of like a distributor, or an He's off-ball a, yeah. handler, like Dame needs help that CJ can't really provide. That I think Tyrese in three years could provide Dame. Yeah, which is an option off the ball, mm-hmm. and CJ is that to some extent, but I don't think can facilitate and create. that, no. Like like. Tyrese Halliburton allegedly yeah. can, but yeah. we're going off of one rookie season, right? Yeah, to yeah which we have, he hit a yeah. wall. Like mm-hmm. Tyrese Halliburton hit a big wall yeah. in the middle. People of the
2: season. adjust, yeah. Other teams adjust, and-, and also,
0: I mean, the Kings didn't really use him as their primary ball handler, even when De'Aaron Fox was off the court. They, I vaguely, I I try and block it out of my mind, yep. but I do remember Corey Joseph bringing the ball down quite often, yep. and
2: Delon Wright, which was and Delon better, Wright, which is fine, which and is it's better. it's
0: fine if they want to develop Tyrese as an off the ball player, but. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I see – I don't know. I, I think that's – that. I don't want to get caught in a sticky situation here where in 10 years people are making fun of me because I was like Tyrese is not going to be that great. But I, I don't know. I have questions about what his overall ceiling is. I love him as a player, obviously. I think he's super, super solid. I just don't know what his ceiling is.
1: There's an aster- asterisk to this question I'm about to ask that I'll explain would you trade Marvin Bagley into a team that'll just absorb his contract to where you're not taking mm-hmm. any money back for a second rounder no. and the asterisk is you use that money that you just freed up to have a chance to re-sign Rashawn Holmes
0: no i'm still intrigued by Marvin Bagley's future i've i feel like i switch on a week to week basis but like i've really sold myself on like marvin Marvin is a very very talented player and I do think eventually he will be able to play basketball games and he will show his talent and I I don't know. I guess in your situation they're removing, they they're not playing together but I think if Rashawn and Marvin are going to play together in the future it's not going to work out great for Marvin. See,
1: I don't want the Kings to get rid of Bagley for rags either, but if it if it's the difference in Rashawn Holmes walking and Rashawn Holmes staying here in Sacramento when I don't see any better replacement period out there right now maybe eventually but right now I mean the Kings have to find a way to bring Rashawn Holmes back or find a appropriate replacement for him because and James pointed this out when I chatted with him Rashawn Holmes is probably the second best free agency signing in Sacramento Kings history like behind Vlade that's how good he's been and that's how bad the free agency market has been for the Kings and the Kings have if Rashawn walks the King, or they just can't match him or sign him or whatever. The Kings have no money to find his replacement unless that replacement is Marvin Bagley, which you want to commit a starting role again to a guy that, one, you can't rely on for injuries and, two, doesn't want to be here. I wouldn't want him.
2: Yeah, it's tough. I, I just – I kind of – I share your sentiment, Chris. I, I – he's, he's young. He's controllable when he is playing – he is good when he's play when he's playing basketball, when he's on the floor playing <laughs> basketball, he's not a playing he, games. He, he and you I think you agree, man. He's a good player. He's not he's not Luka Doncic, he's not Trey Young, but he is a good Well, we'll call him a good offensive player. Say, yeah, offensive. yeah, we'll call him a good offensive, but fourteen and seven on fifty percent shooting, that's not a, a second overall pick. That's late first round at best, sure. But giving him up for a second rounder, I just feel like the Kings well, I will, maybe not the Kings but I'll regret it because he will go somewhere. and He is going to be a good player. I just know it. Like I just mm-hmm. know it in my heart. I really do. Yep. I think we all know he's going to go somewhere else. And At some point, it might be this offseason, and it might be in five years when the Kings, if the Kings sign him and he, he leaves out on his own after that. But uh, he's young and he's controllable, and bringing Rashawn Holmes back is a very important aspect of the offseason in, in my mind. I really think it's something the Kings should put at the top of their list. Uh, I was always envisioned it as having to give up one of Buddy or Harrison to make that happen because I feel like they can't give up Marvin Bagley unless it's for some sort of value and his value is low right now mm-hmm. but you give up for a second round pick and he goes to Charlotte or I don't know the Knicks or whoever and average, averages 19-10 and 10 next year I mean, it, we, we keep Rashawn Holmes, which is great, mm-hmm. but then we're paying Rashawn Holmes $17 million, $16 Yeah, million, that's where I uh, fall. And then Marvin Bagley is going to become a star. and I don't know. That's just, again, big ifs, hypotheticals. There's been a lot of hypotheticals right now. There's no concrete things going on in, in the offseason, so, of course, is what everyone's probably thinking. But it's just, in my mind, tough to give up on Marvin until we get some sort of value back yeah. from And that might take until the next trade deadline, which means we lose Rashawn, which means the Kings are worse. It's just... It's going to be a very kind of Sophie's Choice move for Monty this offseason because it's tough. It's tough.
0: It is tough.
1: My thing is if you're trying to move on – well, first off, if you move on from Harrison Barnes, you are moving on from a player whose production is going to be extremely difficult to find and to fill, not – because Harrison Barnes is some amazing player, but because historically he plays a position that the Kings have had terrible luck trying to fill. And on top of that, we all know how important Harrison Barnes is to this team. So if you move on from HB, you're you're making a massive risk there, even if it's easier to move him in his contract. Buddy Hield's contract, I think, is one of the most difficult things to move in the NBA. Like, just period. And teams know that Buddy Hield is ridiculously overpaid. Buddy Hield has been exposed in the last two years. I don't think he's been used absolutely correctly at all. But the coach that did use him correctly, Buddy Healed played a part in getting him out of here. So I, I think that that says a lot as well. I don't think there's going to be a team that's dumb enough to take Buddy and his twenty-two million dollars, then twenty next the year after, and then eighteen the year after, and just to take that and give you anything of value in return, unless that number nine or a future first is attached to it. Which mm-hmm. is why I'd say yeah. there's a good chance that number nine is moved because the mm-hmm. Kings are hoping to get off of Buddy. But getting someone to take that Buddy Healed contract is going to be next to impossible, just straight up.
2: We were talking about the swing for the fence move, and you forget the swing for the fence move with the first. It might take the it might take giving up three future firsts just to get rid of Buddy Hield. So that's a good point because it it's just Plus it's you want to get
1: some value for an elite shooter because an elite NBA shooter is yeah. valuable but not $22 million. Buddy, really? 20 I don't, I don't know if
0: it's that crazy, though. There are crazy, crazy... Like, if you look at uh, Davis Bertans, that guy just got paid a ridiculous amount of money. I think Joe yeah. Harris has the same exact contract as Buddy Heald, if not more. like a little bit more. And Joe Harris just stunk it up in the playoffs
2: for two weeks. Yeah, forgot how to shoot. I
0: think Buddy has some value I don't know I do agree with you that if they really want to get something they're going to have to attach something of value but I'm not sure it's such like a it's not the John Wall contract it's not you yeah. know he's not Kemba Walker I think is getting 30 million dollars
1: next and year and I'm not saying the contract itself is out of this world and we've never seen it before because I remember celebrating the contract when the Kings initially got Buddy Heel to sign it at two seasons ago which feels like forever ago but at the same, or was it three seasons ago? Now, it who was knows? Two, it was two seasons. They all two. blend together. Yeah. But my thing is, it's, it's not the contract that's absurd; it's the idea of getting a team who's willing to take it for anything of value in return. Like, I
0: don't think that's crazy. I think teams need shooting. Like I. I really do think Philadelphia would take Buddy Heald under the right contract. I don't think, you know, they would take Ben Simmons or something like, you know, I don't think he would be involved in that. But I think teams really, really value shooting and are willing, especially, and I mean, we make fun of it here because we watch it. But Buddy Heald is the greatest shooter. I put big air quotes here in Sacramento Kings history. By the number. Like the dude has the biggest three point numbers.
1: Did he catch Peja? He I think for sure. He
0: he he hasn't he didn't break his record, but he has in terms of season threes, he has destroyed all of them. We see see the stats of he's he's got the most threes in the first three seasons, except for Dame and Steph. Like we laugh because we see how it happens, but these are real, like that is something that you can put on Buddy Heald's resume. Like, it's there. He has 653s in his first 3C or whatever it is. Like, that is something that you can realistically sell to a team, the Miami Heat or whatever, and say, look at this. Like, this is a bona fide shooter. You cannot say this guy is not an elite shooter because of these stats. So, I don't know. I I, I Saying this, if I'm a GM, I'm looking at that and still being like, I'm not paying this
1: guy eight million dollars or whatever 22, 22 twenty two million. Twenty-two million dollars and, and I can pay Duncan Robinson eight. That's the problem. Buddy Heald, yeah. the player, has NBA value, but his contract undermines that value, I think. Yeah. And then how Buddy has unfortunately been exposed as kind of one dimensional has also undermined that value to an extent. Because in the right system, yeah. we've seen Buddy Hill can be effective. He was damn good. The reason mm-hmm. why he got paid was playing that fast-paced catch and shoot offense along with uh, with De'Aaron Fox that Dave Yeager ran. And mm. I think he could be a great fit in Philadelphia. Yeah. He checks a lot of the boxes of what the Philadelphia 76ers and other teams need. Yeah, The problem is... Even the Bucks. Uh, yeah, even the Bucks. The problem is, do they want to absorb that contract, number mm-hmm. one? And number two, are they going to give you anything in return of value so that they can absorb that contract? That's where it gets would iffy. I mean, you would, you, mean,
2: just, you, would, just, would yeah. you do a, a trade, Buddy, for KCP and Kuzma? No. That's the only deal I've been seeing I've been seeing thrown around that people like it seems like it could be realistic. Buddy for K C P well, and Kuzma. Like,
0: no, Kuzma just got paid, man.
2: Kuzma got I paid. I think he's like- st- I think he's still making I think he both, just got an extension. I think the, the reason that deal works out, I'll, I'll check. The yeah. reason that that's been thrown around the Twitter sphere is because they make, I think, combined KCP and Kuzma make the same amount of money. That's but funny. let me confirm.
1: So, well, that's I, interesting. Then I don't want. I don't want. I need, if I'm moving Buddy Heald and getting yeah. something back, it needs to be for less money. Because I need Cut. that money on the books to be able mm-hmm. to do a move for Rashawn or someone.
2: Kyle Kuzma makes $13 million the next three years. Or $13 million per season the next three years. And then I think KCP's on a He's on pretty cheap deal. I think. I think it's pretty cheap. Um, but what, yeah. do
0: you th- what do you think are um, the chances that they that Monty McNair maybe works out a sign and trade for Rashawn if he does end up going to like a Charlotte or something?
1: I think it's potential. Or it, it's there's potential for it, but if if the plan was to do that with Rashawn or not being able, then they they McNair really screwed up by mom, not moving him at the deadline like if if the kings yeah. lose out like especially after losing out on I think we might Bogdan, be saying that
0: sentence a lot this offseason. I mean I, if if things go poorly this offseason, I think we're going to point to the last deadline and say like like
1: what you should have done. What the hell was that? Yeah, you not not getting anything of value yeah. for Harrison Barnes to some extent, yeah. not getting anything of value for Rashawn Holmes when he was having a career year and then he walks, especially the year after you let Bogdan Bogdanovich walk and I know there are There are arguments for and against that and that decision, and I understand those arguments, but the reality is the Sacramento Kings, who are a small market team that really only acquires talent through draft or through trade, let one of their top three players walk and then he became a starter on an Eastern Conference Finals team, and you got nothing for it. Like, you can't do that in Sacramento. You may be able to get away with that in Houston. You can't do that here. So if that happens again with Rashawn Holmes, who not only is your starting center, but is arguably one of the most versatile centers in the league, I'm not trying to overhype him too much, because I, I think he has his limits. His limits are very clear. But I also think that anyone who says, wow, if Rashawn Holmes is your starting center in Sacramento, you're probably not a very good team, I disagree with that completely because I think if Rashawn went to a different team, like say a playoff team, I think it would be only a matter of time before Rashawn makes a bid for that starting spot, unless he's backing up like Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic. Like, I think Joel. I mean, I think uh, Rashawn Holmes can be an NBA starter on a playoff team. I think he's good enough. Yeah, I mean, I think I
2: Charlotte's the one that wants him the most, and he would be a great asset to that Charlotte team. You can't team. I mean, lose be, him be, for be, nothing. You exactly. Just can't. And he, yeah. he. Will, I don't think it's really a question if he leaves. He'll become a. He'll. I think he will thrive wherever he goes because I think what we saw, which is thirteen and eight and sixty-five percent shooting, that's just who he is. He doesn't demand the ball in the post, and he doesn't. It's not like the Kings are feeding Boogie down low. They're not yeah. giving it to him. Clearing out. He's getting clean up around the basket shots. He's getting those little uh, in transition push shots. They're, it's smart basketball. He, he's a smart player. Uh, he's a good defender. I agree. We, we you can't let him leave for nothing. So I would say a signing trade would be great. Can it happen? Who knows. Uh, but making him. The number one priority is important, but then again, it comes back to the Bagley yeah. discussion about freeing up money. So it's-
0: yeah, and to, well, and to me, it just all comes back to money. I just think Rashawn is a great option to have as your starting center for the right price. Because, I mean, we we see Rashawn's great, but you can definitely you can aim for higher for a better player than Rashawn if you really you know oh, if I you agree. really want to. You can absolutely do worse but you can definitely still aspire to have a better player there. So if you're going to be paying him 14, 15 million dollars, it kind of becomes all right, well he's earning every dollar he gets, which is fine. It's, you know, again, I don't mean to po- it's sent really I'm really pocket checking this guy, but like it's I don't know. It it becomes value is really the name of the game in basketball. And if you're not if you're not like if you're if you're getting paid exactly what you probably should be paid, then that's that's not great for the team and for the team. That's great for the player, obviously, good for Rashawn, get your money. But as the organization I'm rooting for, I want the organization I'm rooting for to, I mean, essentially be be getting good deals. And I I think if you're paying Rashawn fifteen million dollars year or whatever, it's not. I don't know what the exact
2: number will be, but. Um, I think the starting point he said he said is, is twenty, yeah, which
0: that would be too much. That I can t- doesn't matter That's any just circumstances. Negotiating one on one, exactly guess, for but... sure. But I just think his price is going to pay. It's going to be a big factor in how we view his play moving forward.
1: If Monty has back to back off seasons where he allows top talent on the team, even if the team wasn't that good, to walk for nothing that's where you start looking at is this guy capable of being a good general manager and that's really hard to say for someone who's just in their second year of their first ever gig but this is where like we talked about a little bit earlier mcnair has inherited the impatience of the fan base and the history of this organization whether he likes it or not he should have known when he took this job that that's what he was inheriting and that's what he had to battle against like he the, the Kings can't afford to play a long-term waiting game. And I think the worst part of the entire hypothetical here is that the King, if the Kings can't or don't move on from Buddy Heald and, Rashawn, and mm-hmm. or uh, Marvin Bagley and they let Rashawn Holmes walk, they have no money to replace him. So it's not like, oh, he's getting 15 million that way. We only have 13 to offer. So we're going to hold on to our 13 and use that 13 to get somebody else. No, you have no cap space. Still. He's gone. Now you have to use the $3 million or whatever the hell you have to find his replacement, which is what a backup center. And then you're hoping Marvin Bagley can play 45 games. Like that sounds horrible. Or you make other for moves. a team who's trying to make the playoffs. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think you, or you can make other moves. If you can do that and sure. have other moves in sure, mind. Sure, sure. I just, again, I, I, I think that you have to not just think about next season as well. I mean that that's gonna play that plays into our our talk about leveraging the future as well. You can't make moves just with the mindset of we really need to, especially here's especially if your goal is make the playoffs. It's really not that hard to make the playoffs. Now the, we now, have made it a lot harder to than it play seems. In. Half the teams make the playoffs. Exactly, like, it wasn't hard even before. Like we just made it a lot harder well, than it needed to be. Well, now ten teams qualify for the <laughs> yeah. play-in. Only yeah. five
2: teams aren't going to be able to be playing quote unquote yeah. postseason yes.
0: basketball. So there shouldn't be any reason to risk it all just to make the playoffs. I think if the Kings are going to be making moves, they need to be making moves with the mindset of legitimately build. And I'm, I'm I know they are, but of building a contender not just trying to win next season.
1: I think we can all agree the best case scenario for the Kings this offseason is just moving on from Buddy yield It's just, if you can yeah. get Buddy out of here for something halfway decent in value, but more importantly, you're not taking back the same amount of money that he's making, that frees up all the money in the world that you need to hopefully be involved in the Rashawn Holmes sweepstakes. It allows you to either keep stay patient for the right Marvin Bagley trade or run it back one more time and see what you can get and maybe increase his value before the deadline. Like To me, Buddy Heald is the golden goose of this, this offseason.
2: Yeah, they somehow can it's move that contract. Find a way
1: to move him. Like you
2: got to find mm-hmm. a way. You free up that money. Then you have also the mid-level exception, which the Kings didn't use last offseason. They, they can bring in some impact players. You know, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it's just a big ask I know it's a big ask but there like Chris said there might be someone out there that goes yeah, yeah we could use we could use a buddy heel we could mm-hmm. use a guy that can score 20 a game and hit forty percent of his threes um so yeah that's just kind of the key the key point it might, yeah, things man. might not move until one of those things happens either yeah. Bagley's moved or Buddy's moved because again the team just doesn't have money it comes back to money they just don't have any right now the money doesn
0: wanted flexibility and he's he's definitely got it because he can he's got a lot of different things that he can do he's got a lot of different avenues he can take it's just a matter of he's he's eventually got to pick a, something to do he's got he's got to go the buddy trade buddy route he's got to go the trade Marvin route he's got to do whatever he can to sign Rashawn he's just got to pick something and at the moment He's still... There's plenty of doors. He's waiting in the water. I
1: wouldn't say Monty McNair has flexibility. I would well, say he has options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. He has options. The flexibility <laughs> is true. not there. Yeah, and that's, that's what made, made... some
0: WD-40 on it. And yeah. that's what
1: made some of the trade deadline moves so confusing is... I love the DeLon Wright pickup. The Mo Harkless pickup was great. I don't think you're going to be able to keep him around. I think there's going to be teams that value Mo Harkless that'll probably scoop him up, even though I'd love to see him back. Terrence Davis was fine, but he's on a team option or something he's like that. He's on a team option, yeah. Regar- looks it's like a restricted, restricted free agent, yeah, something one and a half like that. Million or something. Regardless, you 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 took on money at the trade deadline. Like in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, they moved on from Corey Joseph, which many of us thought was a good thing, and Nemanja Bialica. Mm-hmm opportunity to free up massive money there but because the plan seemingly changed to now we're going for it you took on money coming back and and now that money is haunting you so that's where the criticisms of Monty McNair really start to come in if this offseason is affected by the money that he took in at the trade deadline that ultimately failed again I don't know if that was my gut is that was an ownership decision to try Mm -hmm. and go for it again and not a McNair decision but I, I am only speculating there if that's the case, then we're already looking at Monty McNair as having two major strikes, letting Bogey walk and making a decision that went against the flexibility that you were looking for that hurt you literally the next summer. Like that, that is a very bad start for a first time general manager.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's just, it's a matter. That's, that's how it is right now, though. That's the thing. And it's just a matter of once he makes the moves and then we can really look at it from, you know, from a thousand feet above, then we can reevaluate and see if his moves were actually good. But yeah, at the moment, I mean, there's excuses for the, for the bogey thing. You can, I, I personally would say that, you know, he, he had the sign and trade and, you know, there is definitely some, some hinky things that went on with, with the, with how all that went down. And so is it a hundred percent his fault? He didn't get it done. No, but you know, it's also, it happened. You can't, you can't just say, "Oh, it's not his fault," and so he doesn't get
1: any blame for it. It is still, it still happened. See, and that's where I'm so torn because I agree with you 100. Yeah. percent Where someone we believe it was an agent blabbed and screwed over that entire deal, or like the Don, Hawks, Dante, or yeah, or the Hawks. Who cares? Dante Divincenzo could have been a king, which is so crazy. Haunts to think about. It haunts, haunts me every time. It haunts me every time, just... and PJ Wilson too. But, honestly, DJ so Wilson's a nice. On piece. one half, it's like Monty had a deal in place and it fell apart, so he tried. On the other hand, though, if, if Bogey were a – like Rashawn is an unrestricted free agent where mm-hmm. you just – he can walk and there's nothing you can do about it. At that point, it's like, well, my hands are tied. Mm-hmm. But the Kings are in a – the one position of power that they're in where they have contractual control because of Bogey is a restricted free agent, they willingly gave that up to let him walk. And I get why they made the decision. Like I understand the argument, but that restricted free agency is in place to help teams like Sacramento retain talent. And you willingly gave that up. Like that is where it really, really stings. In the grand scheme of things, short term, like it sucks to see Bogey in the Eastern Conference Finals. In the end, it's right now it's not the end of the world. Like I'm I'm okay that Bogey is no longer here. But if that is followed by the loss of Rashawn Holmes, that happens twice in a row. At that point, I'm like, okay, red flag, warning, warning, warning. Like, Monty, these are bad decisions that you're making.
0: I would argue that he – again, we talked about it earlier. Like, those are – that's the situation that he was brought into. Like, again, yeah, we we can Mm -hmm. relitigate the bogey decision in the first place. But, like, he made that decision and – Probably did it because he was like, if I have both of them, then Buddy's trade value is probably nothing at that point because they know we can't keep them both under these huge contracts, and that'd be tough. And um, I don't know. Yeah, we don't. We don't need to relitigate the whole thing. Yeah. But I, I, I think, mean we, we all know it was a mistake
2: yeah. to let Bogey leave for nothing. I think everyone can be in agreement on that. All Kings fans, it's letting just letting him leave for nothing. I, yes I disagree. I uh.
0: I really disagree because you have to like there is nuance in this. It's not just he left and there's nothing like he got paid a lot of money mm-hmm. that we should not pay him. He does not make us any like he whatever. Maybe we're a ten seed this year. Whatever, that's great for us. But he's paying him that money does not make us then a good enough team to justify paying him. 17 million dollars a year
1: so i understand where you're coming from completely you're right we're talking about hypotheticals of and, and you could talk well bogey would have added seven more wins yeah, we'll exactly. never we'll never exactly. know that yeah. and you're right he would have been paid a lot of money and basically you're committing a crap ton of money to vlade's roster yes. and not your own
0: and we're also so, then locked in
1: yeah 100 we,
0: we are locked into
1: our roster. But more, that's so, my, more so than now yeah. so that's more my so thing is now. you're still pretty much locked in now and on top like to me there's still time for him to make that move yeah. okay. Yeah, exactly. There, so yeah. it's not like an end-of-the-world thing this, right even now. the Rashawn thing. But if a year or two from now you haven't replaced that value in Definitely. some way, shape, or form, then it's mm-hmm. looked at like, what the hell are you doing? Like, in yeah. the short term, it sucks. He's in the Eastern Conference Finals, but there's still time to make up for that decision, which yeah. is what he does this offseason, Until
2: right? we see Rashawn Holmes... Starting for Charlotte yeah, in the exactly. Eastern Conference Finals against, against, Bogey. against Bogey and the Hogs. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that, that's
1: the thing. So Chris's point is 100% yeah. spot on. Like, it, it's, it's a great argument, and I understand it. The thing is, if you're going to let a player of Bogey's caliber walk in Sacramento at some point. What is Bogey's he, caliber, though?
0: Like, what, what are we talking Bogey about? Like, we're top- not
1: talking about
0: like a borderline all star. Like, we're talking about a good role player
1: which the kings are in desperation. That's fine, yeah. but not for his money. Like I've, it's a I, but, that's it, they,
2: but that's what they cost usually. I mean, what other role players it, are cheap? It doesn't but, have to. But what role players are going to be cheap like realistically the kings can get? Like who's out there like for the mid level that we can get we like, just traded
0: for well, if Corey Joseph was good, we ended up getting a decent piece for him, Del- uh, uh what's his name? Terrence Davis was all right. You can find these marginal guys, you just have to have the talent evaluation to do it. And that's the thing is we don't have talent on our roster, and that's what the problem is. Is we don't have a talented roster, and so when we get semi-talented guys, we're like, "Oh my god, this guy's like this guy could play on any basketball team, not just ours," and we're shocked. But like the thing is, we should that should not be the standard.
1: And then again, I think we're going in circles here, but it's it's not. I don't think it's like, oh, my God, you lost Bogey, like, oh, my God, you lost LeBron James. It's I'm not, oh, yeah. it's I don't oh think you guys are saying that, no but... Thinks, no. but it's, mm, oh ah, my, if the way think, some
0: people are talking, people are talking like this that, is like... No. People are talking like the Kings just lost... Like and like a franchise type player, and like Bogey is solely the reason why Atlanta is in the final.
1: And while that's the not Eastern the case, finals. what is the case? The real frustration is not that you lost Bogey. The real frustration is the, the as from a king for, from the Sacramento Kings' perspective, you got nothing. I to this it. point, you've gotten nothing.
2: Salary, yeah, salary. I know what you're saying, but salary relief or whatever future, it is not enough for me. The fact that we lost him, and again, he's not an All Star, yeah. but he's 16 and four on. 47% shooting, 43 from three, and then 90 from... That, that's 50-40-90 almost. Like, I, I we yeah. lost like I yeah. for squat. Like and it's I would a, have
0: rather had him than Buddy, but like, the yes. problem is, if you want to be mad at something, be mad at Buddy Healed being signed because Vlade. that's the exact reason why we don't have We Buddy. should be mad at Buddy. Let's trace it back. It's just, it's honestly just lazy. We should it's be like, mad at Vlotti being yes. bullied
2: by Buddy. you got bullied by like Buddy into paying Y'all him.
0: signed the wrong dude. Like, that's, it's plain, it's Cut and dry, like you guys paid Buddy instead of paying Bogey, and that's that was what the mistake was. We all could have told you, Bogey's a more versatile. You know what? Buddy can for sure shoot the ball better than Bogey. I think Bogey is a little bit overrated as a shooter. He's above average, He's yeah, sure, a season, but he's not usually. Yeah, he, he's typically not forty three percent. Yeah, he's probably like a thirty eight percent three that's point true. shooter. I think that's Buddy's. His career. I think Buddy's probably legitimately like a forty and above three point shooter, but bogey can dribble the ball we've seen him play make for he's a legitimate secondary ball handler we all knew this and yet they
2: still paid buddy he healed the money that they should have paid from a, bogey from a skill set also like it we just didn't we, make sense tyrese halberton and bogey are pretty close in their yeah. skill set as far as playmaking well, and that's and, interesting and shooting too, maybe
0: yeah, th- they had some sort of no, foresight
1: i, in I that. think that's absolutely like that's I, that that the, argument, like a, the argument the yeah. argument that Bogey would have taken opportunity away from Tyrese Halliburton. I think is such a lazy argument to make. It's like the yeah, same thing. Oh no, points. I'm not saying that. No, no I know you're not. Yeah. But I've, that, lazy, that no. argument, <laughs> that argument's been put out there, and I and right, I absolutely right. hate it because it's the same argument of Luka Doncic will take the ball out of De'Aaron Fox's hands. What a stupid! Yeah, which I hear argument. that all the time. Oh, I'm like, like Tyrese man. Halliburton would have been just fine with Bogey here. They would have made it work. There's Bogie, only one ball, Matt. I know, but you, I mean, look how important secondary and, and third ball handlers that are. Yeah, that the, the original Miami <laughs> Heat, yeah, the original Miami Heat. There's
2: only one ball. No, but exactly, yes. Matt. So
1: yeah. I'm that you, I'm not saying also you said that, but that argument has been played, out there. They could have played together. Yeah. Could have been in the backcourt together. Just fine. <laughs> But yeah, uh, you're right. Like Chris, the, the Kings desperately regret if the Kings could go back and let's say they money wasn't an option and, and Buddy Heald and, and Bogdan Bogdanovich yeah. are standing in a room and they have to pick one to go with and pick one to walk. It's it's bogey like 90 percent of the time. And I think we're we just all, living in
0: that 10 percent, I guess. I think <laughs> we
1: all felt that coming into this season. Where and I remember saying on my podcast, it was like if it comes down to a decision between these two guys, I'm picking Bogey. And I remember getting flamed for that. Yeah. It's like, how can you let an elite shooter go for Bogey, who's so streaky and doesn't? He's like the master, master of none. I'm like, okay, but I think Bogey's the smarter ball handle, or smarter overall basketball yeah. player. And we're seeing. I mean, he's was he the reason the Hawks made the or the Eastern Conference Finals? Hell no. Is he the best player on the Hawks? Hell no. no. But he was a starter on an Eastern Conference Finals team. He is a basketball player. And Buddy, granted, he
2: did have a better season with his assist numbers went up and he rebounds, I know, but Bogey is a better, and Tyrese in that regard, Mm -hmm. are better basketball players. And the Kings need more of those basketball players. You know, the shooting aspect is great in Buddy's game, and hey, he could go somewhere else and improve on his defense, and Mm -hmm. maybe in a different system he becomes a better basketball player, but... Uh, that's one of the things that hurts uh, myself and probably you, Matt, and other, King, other Kings yeah. fans is that Bogey's is a better basketball player. I
1: mean, ultimately, to bring this back, we can say the best thing Monty McNair has done since taking this job is drafting Tyrese Halliburton, right? And while some people want to undermine that and say, well, he got lucky, Tyrese fell... I think it's safe to say there was far more in play than just Tyrese falling to 12 on a whim. There was something going on there. We've heard enough conversations and reports to know that there was interest, and in James Hamm has reported several, uh, reported several times that the Kings were ready to move up to get him, and then they realized they didn't have to, which is awesome. So that's definitely the feather in his cap right now. But the big red flag right next to it is the bogey decision at this point. Mm-hmm.
2: And the Rashawn looming decision. I yes. mean, again, like
1: I mean that will
0: be a big thing. I think the same way people complained about I shouldn't say complain. The same way people talk about bogey, people will talk about Rashawn in the same exact air. Maybe if more you so. Don't, if you don't yeah.
1: replace him, yes. Mm-hmm. If you find a replacement for him, Rashawn Holmes well, is in if, no way irreplaceable. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying what option is out there for Sacramento? I've floated
0: out the option. What? How would you feel if next season's plan is to move Marvin to center?
1: I can't. I I can rely on Rashawn Holmes a million times more than I can rely on Marvin Bagley, and that has and that has nothing to do with the him wanting out and his family. So even taking that side of the drama away, I can't rely on Marvin Bagley. Period. So while I think Marvin could play at center and be effective at center for the Kings in their system if they played small with Harrison Barnes at the four, I think it could work. My thing is, why should I believe at any point? Period, that Marvin is going to be available for more than 50 games. Well, here's the
0: problem 40 games. It's because his, you need to, this is his extension year. Like, if at the end of this season he's going to need a new contract Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to pay him something or let him, or again, we're talking about the same situation. This could be three straight years if we're talking, we let a guy walk for nothing because next year it's just going to be Marvin. Marvin and people are going to feel whatever way, but like me and Frankie, or like Frankie said earlier, we feel like Marvin's going to go to another team and probably succeed. So, Which, you need to eventually throw him out and say, look, are you going to succeed at what – because I believe that if he's eventually going to be a starter and be the Marvin Bagley that he wants to be, he's going to have to be a center. Like, I don't think you can play two seven-foot guys and realistically expect to have the type of spacing and floor movement that, you know, they play with now because I just think he would clunk clunk it too much i mean and he can shoot a little
1: bit but here's how i feel about marvin bagley overall it's the it's looking at it from a, a bird's eye view i all i asked from marvin bagley this year was to show visible improvement and that's what i got like, from day one to the end of the season, Bagley was a better basketball player. Defensively, he still has a long way to go. Offensively, he still has no right hand. I was thrilled by his three-point shot. Just yeah. thrilled. And I think that Marvin can space the floor, and he was shooting with confidence, even if they weren't going in at the percentage he wants. Same thing with De'Aaron Fox. Like, De'Aaron a couple seasons ago was shooting and not hitting, and now he's shooting with confidence, and he was, I mean— history point shot made him unguardable this season. So can Marvin continue on. So I was I was overall thrilled with the development of Marvin Bagley. The problem is once again twice he got hurt. And that when you can't rely on that when you're choosing between unreliable Marvin Bagley and reliable Rashawn Holmes who are putting up identical numbers even if one ceiling is higher than the other and you're a team that's trying to make the playoffs right now. I'm going for reliable every single time. I would pick Rashawn Holmes personally, but yeah, you're running the risk of Marvin walking or leaving and, and well, becoming what I, we expect him. I to just do. think if if that's not if you're not going to fully essentially
0: put all your Marvin chips in, then you need to move him because just keeping him on the roster and seeing if he's going to be maybe 15 and eight this year and play 70 games or whatever. I mean, then you're stuck in the situation of, okay, we do we believe in that I season? Do we? I I just, think, that's, that's the difference. Yeah. If
2: he plays 70, 60 games and he averages eighteen or sixteen and eight, that's the difference between him, between him being a ten million per season kind of guy, and then what if he plays ten games I, and he yeah. becomes a, a league minimum guy for some team next year? It's just, it's, I agree completely. He's in limbo, yeah. and it's this season so huge, and the question is, will he be figuring that out here? Because it's yeah. just. Because if, if he goes to like OKC or something like that, I don't know. I'm sure, Monty, he
0: has a lot better situation and can probably, you know, figure his contract out better. there. That's the question that you asked us. As yeah.
2: Matt, Monty needs to have that same answer yeah. or answer that question: Is do you want to pick the reliable guy or do you want to pick the guy with the higher ceiling? It's just that is literally the conundrum the Kings are in right yeah. now. So it's just if, gonna be interesting to watch it unfold. If the
1: timeline is what I believe the timeline to be, which is this team is trying to make the playoffs next season. And that is what's most important, and and getting a team surrounded around De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton on their timeline, I think it's clear that you have to move Marvin. And if you can't move Marvin or the right deal's not out there, then you hold on to him with the hopes that you bring him off the bench, let him get his buckets, he raises his value, and you move him at the trade deadline. But you don't want to, to your point, you do not want to go into next offseason knowing you want to move Marvin but then get into a bidding war, war, and do we match this contract again? Like yeah. you don't want to wait that long.
2: We don't need lightning to strike three times. You know, and, and, I'm
0: getting stressed just thinking about that. <laughs> I really don't need to live in that life because if we are going into next season with that essentially, where we're trying to figure out is Marvin going to be moved at the deadline, and then potentially isn't moved at the deadline, and then we're like, okay, are we going to re-sign him? And like, I, I just, I, yeah, that, I'm, that, I'm
2: getting that'd be so I, tough I'm, if the Kings, if the Kings do keep him and he's. At the all-star break, he's averaging nineteen and ten or something, then it's like, okay, now what the hell do we
1: do? If this Kings offseason ends with Buddy Heald still here, I'm Marvin sick. Bagley still here, Rashawn Holmes gone, gone, and whoever they pick at nine, the Kings are a worse basketball team, and I have oh, yeah. no problem saying no, that. No, I totally I have I, no problem saying that. I don't think anyone yeah. can disagree with that. I mean, if the Kings want to improve, they have to move on from one of the two. Like that's that's just the reality of the situation if the Kings want to improve this offseason, they have to move on from one of the two. Maybe Harrison Barnes, but I think that is a big, big risk of trying to replace him, and I don't think yeah, that's going to be possible. The, the
2: team doesn't work. Mm-hmm. We The team was ran back for the most part. Yeah. The same exact team this year was the same exact team from last year, minus Bogey being switched out for Tyrese. It's just we can't do the same thing again. If, if we lose Rashawn but bring back Buddy and Marvin and then bring back a nine pick— I mean, this isn't the number one, number two pick we're not talking about here. I mean, who knows? Maybe the nine pick, maybe Moses Moody will be the rookie of the year. Who knows? Bronze. But still, that's not what the Kings are missing right. They need more and yeah, I agree. Uh one of Buddy or Marvin needs to be moved. I don't know what that brings back or what it does, but they need to switch up the roster.
1: But the last forty five minutes of what we've been talking about, guys, is exactly why. I feel that McNair is under significantly more pressure than a general manager probably should in their first mm-hmm. full off season. Like we forget McNair came in mid last off season. So this is his first full off season where he has all the time he needs to make moves. Like or at least all the time you normally would have to make moves. It's not rushed into a, a two week window. Like but last this year. is not a normal circumstance of, okay, hey, new general manager, you get three years to build your plan and then another year or two to exit, which is what Vlade got. Vlade was like, okay, started putting this plan together, traded Demarcus Cousins, and then what did he say? If in three years we're not better, I'll step down. I'll step down. McNair doesn't have if in three years no. we get. It, McNair is if this year we are not better. The organization is probably, I mean, they have to decide whether or not they want to commit to a, a first time general manager who has already made some mistakes or hasn't improved the team. Do you want to let him hire the next head coach and risk going through the same cycle again of moving on from a general manager, having another head coach on the payroll for three years, and then you're doing the same crap again? let alone king's ownership getting over involved like we're we're talking about a vicious cycle out. here. Yeah, stressing no he's right though. The king, the
2: king the king is a playing next year again. Oh, I mean, heads are going to roll. I mean, I, heads are going to it's going to be very ugly. Like and it already is getting ugly. I mean, I I know that uh I don't know what the king's season ticket plan is going to look next year. I don't know how many fans are going to be coming back for that. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the 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 franchise is going to start bleeding. If things don't change, yeah. more so than they already are. No. so Not to mention a historic 16
1: straight seasons without making the NBA That would be
2: number one. If they're t- We're tied with the Los Angeles Clippers slash buff- Buffalo Clippers. As and-
1: many years as teams make the playoffs. 16. hmm Rough.
2: I'm gonna be Rough. actually sick. Anyways, speaking of playoffs, to end this off, Matt, who do you got, Bucks or Suns?
1: I got Suns. Um, and I, I, I'm. This is the first NBA Finals in a long time where I don't care who wins because I'm gonna be happy mm-hmm. either way. I think this NBA Finals is awesome, and anybody who says my my major market or LeBron's not in the finals, <laughs> screw you. Like the the ratings are already there. We've already seen that the these NBA playoffs have been just fine without those mega market teams in. I think this is great for basketball. I love that two smaller markets are in there. I think the Milwaukee Bucks absolutely deserve it. I hope Giannis gets healthy so we get the series we deserve. I think Chris Paul absolutely deserves it and the Phoenix Suns are the perfect example of why you can have hope from the Kings' perspective. Like, you can turn things around correctly if you do it correctly. I mean, you can do turn things around quickly if you do it correctly. The mm-hmm. Suns are a perfect example of that. So, both both of these teams give me hope and I'm, I'm thrilled for these finals, but I'll take the Suns in six if Giannis only plays a handful of games. If Giannis plays all except Game 1, I think this goes 7.
2: There was breaking news during the podcast that uh, Giannis was upgraded from doubtful no. to questionable.
1: Whoa! And like, in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> if Giannis can go, you don't want him to risk his future career, but if Giannis can go, there's no way he's saying uh, or he's staying out of the NBA Finals. Like This is the reality. If well, this is like the second round of the playoffs, maybe he's like, okay, I'm holding <laughs> off, but this is the NBA Finals here. Giannis is playing if he, he can. Pushed,
2: he pushed to play in Game 5 last week, and then they said no, and then when they... I think when they won game five, they just figured they'd wait and see if had to go seven, but uh, he should not play. You that think he be- shouldn't play? No. Right now? No.
0: He he that that looked like a real knee injury. Like his knee full like went yeah. back. It was, it was scary. It was like remember Tyrese's yeah, knee injury? That was scary too. It was like that. But if it actually like went like Tyrese is just kind of stiffened. Giannis is kind of Cock, yeah. Bowed
2: back Maybe a little bit. Maybe he's just flexible. Maybe he's flexible. I mean, sometimes injuries Maybe. do look scary. Like ankle turns are ones that always look horrifying. Kevin Durant and Durant they're me fine.
0: Mine. That's all I got to say. Katie's injury shook me after after oh, yeah. he came back too early and like literally like that you like, can see it pop. within 20 minutes of playing like i think everyone knew it was coming like, too it, yeah,
2: yeah it, it, i just want to avoid that
1: but i don't know how you two feel i'm 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 thrilled with this nba final oh, i'm matchup. thrilled i could not be happy i either. agree
2: though i think suns and six uh, i think even if Giannis does play it's going to be kind of i don't think he'll when, when players come back from those injuries they're kind of afraid to put their foot on the gas fully mm-hmm. and it's just I can see him not going full throttle you know what's but.
1: crazy though is the Hawks and Clippers both made their conference finals and lost and they are. I don't know the order, but they are number two and number three in longest NBA finals. All droughts. these franchises are. I know, it's, but it's like a list of all the Hawks and the Kings. The Hawks and Clippers are two and three. The Kings are number one. Yeah. Hawks and Clippers are two and three, and they both were in the conference finals and missed out. And I don't know no. how likely either. Well, Clippers maybe if they can keep the team together. I don't know how likely they already get to that spot again.
2: No, I mean I'm sure the Lakers are going to do some Lakers stuff this offseason. LeBron's going to have his one last push, but. Uh, Chris, sorry, Suns or Bucks?
0: I, I really don't know. I, I am excited for the series. I the Suns make me hopeful that you know any Kings fan should be like, yeah, see, we're just one nice piece away. We're just, just Chris Paul, yeah, one yeah. right, right there, Hall of Famer away. That is it. Could have had Monty Williams. And the Bucks too. honestly remind me a lot of the same struggles that the early two thousands Kings went through, uh, where you know it just seems like they're always banging their heads up against the you know up against the wall. Always going against you know the toughest teams and just never making it through and to see them eventually get through it is nice to see um, but I, I don't know I, watching them play this off season has been disgusting and it's really uh, it's really not fun to watch them play um, I'm glad. Maybe. They eventually made it, but I think Phoenix probably takes it and, and it feels like five, honestly. Phoenix has really been rolling and uh narrative wise it feels like Chris Paul it's it's Chris Paul's time. And maybe. it's the year of the old guy. I don't know if you guys heard. Old guys old guys are winning. I don't know. Maybe, and Brady won. Maybe it's all yeah, that's I'll
1: Maybe a hot take here, but I think the two thousands Kings would wipe the floor with this Bucks team. It just absolutely oh wiped. for I sure. So I mean, this with Bucks team—they
0: just don't play well. I mean, they're they're very disjointed, very one on one. And and you know, honestly, if Chris Middleton wasn't playing so well, then they
2: would they would be out easy. Well, we're going. Uh, we're all going Suns. Yeah, I'm going Suns. All right, Matt. So
1: many freaking not that the division matters, but the Pacific division's just all these <laughs> juggernauts, and then Sacramento. Hello, we're here. Yeah,
2: I'm very, it, I'm, yeah, it's going to be tough. I'm very upset. Maybe
0: we do need to keep those division banners up. It does mean something, you know. Our, our, our 1951 championship banner, yeah. too. God, that, can, that can... rings. Come. Literally says Rochester Royals on it. Yeah. Like, neither of those two things are still... we have the still, patch, though. We are not Rochester. We are Sacramento, and we are no longer the Royals. We're... Kings, Wait, is it
1: sad the two coolest banners that are up in the Golden 1 Center rafters are the Monarchs Championship, yep. which isn't sad at all. They're amazing. And then Paul McCartney right. being the first ever event there. We have a Paul McCartney <laughs> we banner. We have a Paul it McCartney a banner, a banner that's bigger semester, than anything else. So it's the biggest one. i
0: so confused.
1: Yeah, here's Paul McCartney, sense. by the way. Paul There's McCartney also, played a they, song here once. They have a banner
0: for the old arena.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. I mean, it's fine, but
2: don't hang it up with the other banners. Yeah, like, like, hang it up on a wall. What can we accomplish in that building anyway? A lot of heartbreak. That's it. I had my heart ripped out of my chest more than uh, yeah, yeah, I. Yeah,
1: that's know. my second home.
2: I know I'd, it'll be sad. Will you guys be there when they when they
1: tear bulldo- down when they bulldoze
2: it? Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. We I'll should- press the button. You'll press the button. <laughs>
1: Chris and I did a uh, music video in yeah, front we of did. it, and we were afraid of a robotic car that just kept driving past yeah. so. us. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah. There was nobody driving it, but it kept going past us. We're like, is it going to stop and shoot us or yell yeah. at us? But nope, it just kept going past. It's like undri- some security bot yeah. you are. <laughs> hey, man.
2: they're
0: doing, like a little Tesla bot. They're doing
2: some high secret stuff out
1: there.
0: They really were. I don't know what was going on, but we
2: shot the Double Down music video. And, it, uh, second Double down, down reference on this podcast. They need to the move
1: way. that gold six out in front six, of six. the... the Somewhere they're
2: going to. They said they have plans for it. That's good what, good. put it the, on the roof. Probably. They said they probably. said they have plans for it.
1: That I... golden six and the giant inflatable Pepsi cup. Oh yeah, are two Ooh, things was also that are new, synonymous with Kings ba- uh, basketball. The team
2: store shoebox.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, I can late. I will always remember to. Yeah, the shoebox was great. I will always remember to the smell of the. Uh, Arco Arena concourse hit different, man. When oh, it, you walked in that oh, concourse that packed, before a game, yeah. and then just the rumble of those probably unsafe wooden bleachers yep. that when everybody would stomp on them, man, what, it's just what, what, what was
2: it smell <laughs> like? I think it smell like was French. It was like a French fry smell. Oh, was, oh man, was garlic it was like, fries. Bro. It was either garlic fries garlic or fries
1: for me, me it was like cinnamon control. churros. And stuff. It was like a mixture
2: of those smells. But yeah, it just like is a smell I wish they like sold a candle because like I would just light <laughs> it in my house and just oh, it's Arco Arena smell. Okay, cool. That's that's what we need, hey, Kings. That's an idea for you. Put it in team store. I want are a, candles like that. I want a five percent like cut. All right, that's it. Uh, you want to fight over something else? Yeah, we can fight over one more thing. What do you want? I don't know. Okay. Uh, how about this, Yankees are going to come back and take the wild card Shut spot. Up. Turn it off. It's God. done. I I I don't even believe that. So.
0: All right. Well, for I uh, hope you all enjoyed the conversation. First off. Um, I thought it was a really good talk. Pretty painful I had episode. Had some fun. Yeah, it was pretty painful. People. But if if I, it felt stressed. therapeutic. Yeah, I felt stress. It was an, it was honestly a roller coaster. I felt stressed. I felt happy. I felt excited. I felt sad. Um, full range of emotions. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure. I'm sure we'll have you on again this off season to talk uh, about
2: the Kings uh, re-signing Rashawn yep. Holmes.
1: Right. Not trading not Buddy, buddy Hield. Yep.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's the only way. Yeah.
0: If if the Kings trade Buddy Hield. Matt George will be on the podcast. McNair's got
1: there. his work cut out for him, man. This this summer is so extremely important. And of course, we in media, we do this every oh, it's the most important offseason in a long time. We mm-hmm. do that. I, I know I say that and I hate when I say it. But in and like for real, Monty McNair does not get the benefit of multiple offseasons to build this. No. It, this is his off-season, and if it doesn't work, he might lose his job as early as next. Like we said, they
2: have mentioned the goals making playoffs next season. Let's see what they can do to make that happen. It's not really it's not for fun anymore. We're not saying we're trying to build they said playoffs. Let's see it. Let us
1: let's see it. Let uh, us.
0: For Matt George, make sure to listen to Locked On Kings every sure. single day.
1: Uh, is it weekday or is it every single day? Every single weekday, yeah, okay, we try and do like Monday Tuesday through Friday, Thursday. but we didn't have one for Fifth of July. But soon we'll go into off season mode, where it'll be three a week. But hey, it's great to come up with five straight days of Kings <laughs> <laughs> <content. laughs> It's gotta be tough. That's it's wonderful, gonna... man. God Trust bless me, Matt
0: George, man. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Matt. For Frankie Cardiselli, I am Chris Watkins. Bye-bye.